This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Hi, it's Claire Kimball here, the founder of The Squiz. This week marks six years of putting out The Squiz Today podcast, and I just wanted to say a huge thank you for listening. If you love what we do, and we hope you do, please tell your friends about us. It's all the birthday present we could ever need. G'day, Kate Watson from Squiz Shortcuts here. We are popping this episode of Squiz Shortcuts into the Squiz Today feed so you can get across all the royal drama that's been dominating the news this week. If you like what you hear and want more, we have a whole bank of Squeeze Shortcuts covering everything from Elon Musk and Twitter, what's happening in Ukraine and whether we're really going to send people once again to the moon. Search for Squeeze Shortcuts wherever you get your podcasts. It's been a fairly turbulent couple of weeks for the royal family, with Prince Harry and Meghan's Netflix series really putting the cat among the corgis. So in this episode of Squish Shortcuts, we take a look at the fallout from the latest Sussex download, how this whole unhappy family split is affecting the monarchy, and what's ahead for the palace and King Charles in 2023. Squish Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, even if you haven't sat down to watch it like me, although you have, I know, it's really difficult to ignore all the coverage of Harry and Meghan. That Netflix series has been released to a lot of fanfare. A lot of news sites have had rolling coverage and then there's been all the commentary and opinion. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, You'd have to basically move to the Arctic Circle, I reckon, if you want to escape it. Um, Nowhere has this been watched more closely than in Britain. Uh, Like you said, even the BBC and esteemed publications like the Telegraph of London uh, were live blogging the whole Netflix release. Uh, Reams of journalists picking it all apart line by line revelation by revelation. As I said, I didn't watch the series, but I was guilty of scrolling the live coverage. (laughs) Absolutely. I think it's fair to say the upshot is the whole thing hasn't been so much about breaking news or jaw-dropping reveals. It's more doubling down on the same complaints from Harry and Meghan, which are essentially that Meghan wasn't protected by the royals and that the palace, the British press and the UK more broadly have a problem with racism. Yeah, that's pretty much the nub of it. And of course, they already seeded some of that in their Oprah interview last year where they accused an unnamed senior royal of speculating on what Harry and Meghan's child would look like, uh, about how dark Archie's skin might be. And things were very icy after that. The Queen famously put out a statement which said, recollections may vary, that's the quote. But there was a truce of sorts, I guess, for the Platinum Jubilee in June this year and then again for the Queen's funeral in September. Yeah, but even at both of those events, it was difficult to ignore the awkward family dynamics. It's fair to say the Sussexes and the Windsors did not look particularly thrilled to be in each other's company. And then since the Queen's death, Meghan's put out her podcast, Archetypes. The Netflix series has landed. Publicity started for Harry's autobiography called Spare. That's due out in January, so they're not going away. Yep, H&M. 
that's how they refer to each other in the Netflix mm. series. Uh, they've had a pretty full dance card and mm. it's uh, obviously been pretty difficult for King Charles and for William, the new Prince of Wales, to get much of a clear run in their roles. Uh, remember, William and Kate uh, were over in the US just a couple of weeks ago for the Earthshot Prize, which is a major environmental initiative endorsed by Sir David Attenborough uh, when those Netflix trailers started to drop. I did not know that, which is exactly the example of the fact that um, it was completely overrun by mm. the Netflix series. They were in Boston at the time and Omid Scobie, the yep. journo who's kind of an unofficial spokesman for the Sussexes, tweeted, if Earthshot is Prince William's Super Bowl, there's your halftime show. That it's was the quote. pretty inflammatory stuff. Yeah. Clearly there's no love lost between the brothers these days. Uh, and a lot of people interpreted Harry's comment in the Netflix series that the royal family, and this is the quote, uh, the temptation is to marry someone who fits the mould, is a jibe at Kate. Uh, and, of course, his brother's marriage. Certainly with each comment it's difficult to see relations mending. Who knows, though? But next up, let's take a look at how this whole saga is affecting the monarchy. All of this is very much in our face at the moment, so you could be forgiven for forgetting that there's a lot of history to all of it. If you haven't lived through the past, you know, 700 years of the monarchy, which none of us have, it's easy to say this is the worst crisis Mm. the monarchy has faced and headlines do scream that at us all the time. How can they possibly survive all these attacks from within, Claire? (laughs) Yeah, so true. A bit of context is hard. Uh, Even some near-term perspective on this is hard to get. Uh, There would be lots of people born in the 1980s or later who don't remember the late 80s and early 90s which was a shocking time for the Queen. Uh, Three of her children, so Charles, Anne and Andrew, got divorced uh, and that was really unprecedented. Mm. And worse than that uh, was all the drama and the scandal that went with it. Yeah, we forget the tabloid press was actually tapping Charles's phone and publishing his incredibly intimate conversations with Camilla. Mm -hmm. Princess Diana, of course, was giving tell-all interviews about his affair. Sarah Ferguson was pictured having her toes sucked by an American boyfriend while still married to Prince Andrew. Look, it was a lot. (laughs) And because of all of that, the Queen famously called 1992 her Annus Horribilis, uh, when she should have really been celebrating 40 years on the throne. Yeah, and back then a lot of commentators said it would be impossible for Charles to ever rule. Cut to now. That his reputation could never recover and this could be the end of the line. And here we are with Charles and Camilla on the throne uh, and their long rehabilitation seems to have worked. Mm. Uh, They've been pretty largely warmed and welcomed by people everywhere since the Queen died. Yeah, which I suppose is some proof that the monarchy, and here I'm talking about the institution of the monarchy, can survive personnel scandals. Yeah, and look, it's built into the system so it can probably withstand a dud king or queen along the way, not saying that Charles necessarily is. Yeah, that's that's certainly a matter (laughs) of... Opinion. Yeah, but it can carry on if the people have faith in the system. And it's been tested a lot, as you say, over 700 years. Mm. Uh, because if you go back even further in Britain, there are plenty of occasions that the survival of the monarchy has been under far more genuine threat than it is today. Yeah, that's for sure. War, revolution, succession crises, you name it, the British monarch has survived it over centuries. In 1936, 
For example, King Edward VIII abdicated so he could marry Wallace Simpson, who was American and twice divorced. That wasn't even allowed by the Church of England at the time. Yeah, and the monarchy has collapsed in so many other European countries like Germany, Italy and France. Uh, But there are a few reasons why it's really endured in England. Uh, I suppose in Britain you could say that the monarchy has really learned to stay in their lane uh, so that they have truly operated as a constitutional monarchy. Uh, So their functions and their powers have been very ceremonial and they've acted on the advice of the government of the day, Uh, definitely not trying to be de facto rulers or inserting themselves into the politics of the day. And that's one of the things The Crown, the Netflix series, did so well is sort of explain all of that and sort of showcase the role that the Queen took in all of that. Of course, The Crown, as we know, is fictional. But if you haven't seen it, and I'm sure most people listening has, it really explains um, that approach. So far, the King seems to be trying to follow the example of his mother, head down, bum up, out and about, championing community causes and charities. Yeah, that's right. And despite all the fears around the Queen's death, uh, that support for the monarchy might erode, 63% of people in a YouGov poll back in September said that they thought that Charles would do a good job. Mm. Uh, Of course, it's still to be tested if things like the new season of The Crown and all the stories coming out around the Sussexes uh, might have any impact on his popularity. We'll wait and see. Yeah, you'd have to say, though, that if the overwhelming majority of media coverage is any guide, it's been relatively supportive of the royals and fairly critical of Harry and Meghan in the UK and in Australia. That's for sure. You look at the US and apparently it's a different kind of scenario, Mm. but really it is important for the UK and for Commonwealth countries. And look, it's probably not surprising that the British press are against Harry and Meghan, uh, but it's noteworthy because the Sussexes' entire strategy seems to be about selling their brand in the US and some publications uh, that were previously supportive of Harry and Meghan, like the Washington Post, uh, the Hollywood mag Variety, uh, even those were lukewarm at best. So it's an interesting strategy. The Post called it a yawner. Mm. And Variety said their presence on the world stage was unimaginative. We will leave that there. And let's take a look next at what 2023 might have in store for the House of Windsor. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Superb. Sometimes it can feel like retirement is a long way off, but whether it's two years or 20 years away, it's important to make sure your super fund is working for you. Aware Super is one of Australia's largest super funds and offers heaps of free tools and tips on its website for Aussies looking to get their super sorted and put a plan in place for their retirement. Read the PDS and TMD at aware.com.au. There's been so much royal drama over the past few months, Claire. It's easy to forget next year is actually going to be a big one for King Charles. His coronation is set for May the 6th. Take us through that. Yeah, so he obviously became king the moment that the Queen died. So it's not actually legally necessary for him to be crowned in a ceremony. So a coronation is a very symbolic act. It formalises the monarch's role as the head of the Church of England and officially gives him all the titles and all the powers. Pomp and ceremony is the words we will be using. That's what it'll be. We've come to expect that, of course, with royal weddings and the like. Though it's already clear Charles wants to dial down the ceremony, Claire, and make it a bit more modern. 
Yep, extra seats that had been built in the Westminster Abbey for the Queen's coronation in 1953, so it could fit more than 8,000 guests. It's likely Charles will probably make do with 2,000 guests. So that's the existing configuration. Uh, We know that the service will be shorter, uh, more religions will be included, and the cost will be kept down given the UK's in a cost of living crisis. Yeah, and he'll be grateful to make it to May relatively unscathed, I guess, because he's still got a few challenges challenges to deal with. Yep, he does. And of course, it comes back to Prince Harry, Mm. that book coming out in January. Uh, It's clear no one's getting an advance copy, it seems. Uh, So it's to be confirmed about how damaging that might be to Charles, uh, to Camilla and to other senior members of the family. But it's expected that there'll be something. Yeah, bubbling along in the background, of course, is the issue of Prince Andrew, King Charles's brother. He's still really on the nose in Britain because of his association with convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. The Queen dealt with that a lot before her death. Uh, She stripped him of his military titles and his patronages. Uh, Charles went even further though and effectively sidelined him as a councillor of the state. Uh, So that role actually fills in for the King on the ceremonial and official business side of things if the King is overseas. Uh, Charles has now got a new law passed that means that Princess Anne or Prince Edward, who is his youngest brother, uh, can act for him instead. And it's worth mentioning Prince William and the Queen Consort are the first stand-ins, but it's possible in 2023 both of them will be overseas at the same time, so the King might need those backups. Yeah, and that new law also gets him out of another jam. Prince Harry, because he's the next adult after Prince William in the line of succession, is also automatically a councillor of the state. So Charles, if he hadn't got that that law change was facing a situation where Andrew or an estranged son who lives in Los Angeles uh, could have been called to sub in as the head of state. Which is pretty unthinkable given what's gone on across the last few months, across the last few years. Yeah, and now it's been reported that Charles just wants a slimmed-down version of the monarchy. Uh, Fewer working royals living off the public purse. So we can expect to see the new king continuing to follow that shape for the next year at least. Yeah, the handful of monarchies surviving in Europe seem to have taken the same approach. We talked about in the squeeze a couple of weeks ago the Danish royals. Claire, the queen there has stripped some of her own grandchildren of their titles. Yep. Really tough love, isn't it? And (laughs) a lot of people were wondering if Harry's children, so Archie and Lilibet, uh, were going to get titles. And you'd have to suspect that given Charles has this version of a smaller working royal family uh, long before all those troubles with Harry, uh, that that might not be on the cards for 2023. So much to look out for next year, Royal Watchers. You will get your fix, I'm sure. That's your shortcut to the Royals' future. On to our recommendations. Each week we give you a recommendation for some further reading, listening or watching. We have it on good authority from Bryce Corbett over at Squeeze Kids, Claire, that The Palace Papers, that Mm. book that dropped earlier in the year, is a good read. So we'll pop a link to that in your episode notes. I got that as a gift and it's literally on my bedside table. So Christmas. Yeah, I've been saving it up for the break. So I'm looking (laughs) forward to that. Uh, And look, I have watched Harry and Meghan on Netflix. Uh, I did enjoy it. As I said on the Saturday Squeeze, if enjoy 
enjoying is the word. Yeah. Uh, I thoroughly recommend watching it because it's just so fascinating to see how the strategy of how they're actually selling their story is coming together, particularly with that American audience in mind. So I reckon keep an open mind. Have okay. A look. I've just got to find six hours to you commit just to it. <laughs> find a, just half a day. Yeah. Thanks for listening in to this episode of Squeeze Shortcuts. As I said at the top, if you liked what you've heard and you've enjoyed Shortcuts, we have so many more waiting for you to listen to over at the Squeeze Shortcuts. Just search for Squeeze Shortcuts wherever you get your podcasts. G'day, Kate Watson here. I'm the host of Weekly Wrap and News Club, a place for conversations about the news. It's budget week, so I'm here to tell you about our News Club episode from last week where Claire chatted with James Chessel. He's the former Managing Director of Publishing at Nine Entertainment. He was also a staffer earlier in his career, so they have a good chat about how the budget sausage is made. Here's a small snippet. The most important policy or set of policies the government will announce every year. So it's important that it's not um, announced willy-nilly, although mm. they do leak <laughs> a, a fair amount of it. Yeah. And there is a famous time when a, when um, Laurie Oakes, the nine journalist, got his hand on the budget papers but the day before the budget and was it's able to such print. such an incredible story. Was able to print a lot of it, um, which was, you know, absolutely amazing. Um, <laughs> but the other thing is... A lot of what the Treasurer will announce has the ability to move markets, yeah. um, direct impact on on businesses and, and other organisations. So, you know, there does need to be some rigour and uh, confidence that it will be handed, handled in an appropriate, appropriate way. For more on that chat, just search for News Club in your podcast app or follow the link in your episode notes.